Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from Wrenchway. Welcome back to another edition of Beyond the Wrench. I am your host, Jay Ganinen. Before we jump into today's episode, we want you to know that we care about the opinions of our listeners. This is why we're giving you the opportunity to share with us topics you'd like to hear on Beyond the Wrench. If you have a topic or guest in mind, be sure to send us an email at info at wrenchway.com. We want to make sure that we are covering all the topics you want to hear about, and the best way we can do that is hear it directly from you. So please reach out to us at info at wrenchway.com. And uh, that does really help us to really understand what it is that you're looking for. We cover a pretty wide range of topics within our, our little niche. So any input is always greatly appreciated. It's helped us grow the show. And I think anytime that we can get that, that feedback from the audience, it does really help. So we appreciate all of the feedback thus far. As for today, I have now recurring guests, Josh Arnold, who's an automotive technician for Toyota of Corvallis. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. What's new? Oh, not too much. We've been having a busy end of the year. What our topic is today is actually what we've been focusing a lot on at the shop. So we had a four or five of our technicians all taking ASCs right at the end of the year. We're all a bunch of procrastinators, technicians, you know, final, final hour, cram it in, <laughs> get it out of the way. <laughs> I don't think that's just technicians. I think that's yeah. like most people in the world, but it's, we, we had you on not too long ago and I thought it was a really good episode and, and you've got a lot of really good ideas. We talked about your background in, in detail last time, so we won't talk about that as much this time, but what we're talking about today is something that I think is is a real um, point of conflict within the industry, right? It, which is yep. ASC certifications and the importance of them. Some people really, really value them a lot. Some people may, might not put as much value into them. Some of that rolls back to who the manufacturer is. If, for those of you watching video, can see that Josh is wearing a Toyota hat. He works <laughs> for a Toyota dealership. Toyota values ASEs, where maybe some of the other OEs don't, or some of those independents don't as much. It is, it's a weird dynamic because it is one thing where there's a lot of people in our industry that crave that certification, yet it's not a, it doesn't feel like it's a universally accepted thing amongst technicians. Is that something that you see out in the field? Yeah, hundred percent. And another thing I think is age too. I see like a lot of older technicians, they don't seem to value them the same way that a younger technician does. It might just be generational, but a lot of those old guys, they say those tests don't prove anything, you know, and, and there's some truth to that, right? You can't fix a car if you can pass that test, but you know, it's a standardized system to tell you that, Hey, we're all on the same page here. You at least got to this level. You understand the basics, you know that. So there, there is some importance to it hundred percent. Yeah, and I think ASC as a as an entity and ASC the testing piece of that is really important from the standpoint of it's not it's not a test to say hey I can do everything it's more of hey maybe I've got an understanding on a certain system or you know if it's if it's dealing with electrical that you've got some knowledge of of how a system works and I, I think. There's so much misunderstanding in terms of what the ASC testing actually is that it really kind of sets back our industry. I, I for one, it's funny because my dad and I probably see this in different viewpoints, right? My yeah. dad is more of a, like, I, I, I just want somebody that can fix a car, you know, whereas <laughs> I'm like, you know what? It is, it is, it is another notch in the belt of a 
a technician to get that. And I think it helps you gain some respect. You know, if you have the patch on your shirt, I think there's, you know, some level of professionalism that comes along with that. Yeah. And I do think there's there's a number of benefits that come along with being certified or being ASC certified. Yeah, I think just to touch on the, you know, the importance of it, I think managers look at three things when they come in to pay for a technician. Number one being production, because that's what you bring to the company. Number two would be certification. And I think the third is usually tenure. So the certification standpoint, that's where ASE kind of steps in. It's a really good tool to earn another raise and get paid more because you're like you said, adding another notch to that belt. You know, it's not directly correlated. It's not like, oh, I took these tests now, give me more money. But when you pass those tests, what you're showing is that, number one, you're willing to go in and go in above and beyond, and you're dedicated to the craft. And like I said, you're on a standardized system. So you're saying in the industry, I can pass this test. I'm a competent at this certain level, and I should be compensated for being there. And as you said, Toyota, they value it even more. Toyota, ASE, work together very closely. They're very close partners in the industry. And Toyota's training system actually requires ASEs. So if you want to move up as a Toyota technician, you are going to be required to have ASEs. And we're also a split dealer, so we work on Subarus here too, and they are the exact same ways. Now, I kind of asked around the industry before I hopped on the podcast with you to see, you know, what other manufacturers. It seems like a lot of other manufacturers aren't on the same page. I did see that BMW kind of has their own deal with ASE where they do like separate BMW tests but it, it seems like they're separate from ASE which is kind of interesting but Honda and a lot of the other places that I checked with it they just they're not incorporated so they don't really care about them which is kind of unfortunate because like I said it kind of it, it should be a in my eyes as industry standard it's you know like an electrician has to pass a test to be an electrician a plumber has to go get certified to be a plumber those are certain things that's what I see ASE is for mechanics from what I've seen, and, and I think this is fairly common amongst the OE side, is they prioritize fac- you know their factory certifications far yep. more than ASEs. And in a lot of cases, you can't blame the dealerships for it because if, if that's going to impact their pay or how they're compensated as a dealership from the manufacturer, you kind of, I mean... It, they're setting the tone for what that what that dealer is going to think of ASEs. Yeah, hundred percent. And on the independent side, of course, I'm a dealer, so I don't experience it a lot. But I think on the independent side, it does another thing where you said like you're going to a shop that has that ASE certification. Not everybody understands what that is, but the more certifications you have on the wall, I think more people trust it because a lot of people don't know the exact thing. But it's like, you know, you go into a lawyer's office, they got their degree hanging up on the wall. If it's some clown university, maybe you're not going to gain the same trust. But if it looks like it's from Harvard, you know, people, I think people have enough understanding to recognize it and know that it, it does bring some quality along with it. That's a good point. I mean, it, it is a way – I know there's the Blue Seal certified shops that are out yeah. there, which are, you know, whatever percentage of your technicians – and again, this is probably more independent focus, but whatever percentage of your technicians are ASC certified, you get the Blue Seal certification. And it does help for those independent shops that are out there listening with some of that branding and some of that name recognition that maybe you don't have. So it, it is – I think from a shop's perspective can be hugely impactful. I don't know that we're ever going to change the minds of people one way or the other on this. I, I think yeah. if you go out and read a message board and if you just put out a poll for our ASC certifications important, yeah. you would have all kinds of variety of different responses. And I think 
you know, I've got my opinion, you've got your opinion and it, everybody's got an opinion on it. Like it doesn't feel like <laughs> if, if you say ASE, like somebody's not going to have an opinion on it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, you know, and a lot of it isn't just the test fear either. A lot of these guys, like I said, pay is directly correlated to what a technician does. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. If, if I'm not going to get paid for it, why am I going to do it? It's flat rate. It's, it's the mindset that we're built into. So it is kind of sad to see that the, the whole industry doesn't do it. But like I said, I work for Toyota and I work for Subaru and both of those companies, it's required. You're, you're required to do it. They understand that. Yeah, we're teaching you the Toyota way, but we still want you to be competent on several, some level, because maybe a customer doesn't bring a Toyota in the door. I still want to have some basic understanding of a car. I don't want to just be trained the factory way only. I need to have a full scope of knowledge. And I think that's important. And then that's a big step on the manufacturer side for understanding that their way isn't the best way all the time. So we talked about the the level of importance. What I want to dive into is something that I dealt with when I was a young technician coming in, which was the absolute terror of going into the ASC testing process. <laughs> like I, I, you know, you'd always heard about, I, I think it's changed a little bit over the years. That's been 20 something years ago now <laughs> at this point. But I remember thinking, you know, how, how intimidating it was that, that it wasn't just a, a correct answer. It was the most correct answer. So you would have potentially multiple correct mm-hmm. answers on a question and you had to answer the most correct one. <laughs> and I remember yeah. going into that test being like, what in the hell does that mean? I have no idea. What I'm yeah. Like, which, which is the best answer? Yeah, there are questions. I mean, to be to be honest, they, they you know, there's like 50 questions per test, but their questions are set up in some ways that you're actually getting two questions per one. So, you know you got to, it's a really good process of elimination. There's, it's, it's a kind of a difficult thing to wrap up on your head. And for anyone that's never taken it, it's going to be really hard for them to get that experience without going into it. I do have a couple of resources that I wanted to list off. The biggest one is ASC themselves sell practice tests. They're like 13 bucks. And if you buy them in bulk, they're like 10 bucks. You know, those are what I use all the time for the guys in the shop to really build that confidence right before they go in, go in the door. So, you know, I'll have them all, we'll study together for a couple of weeks build the foundation, you know, take some cheap online tests that you, cause you can type in free ASC tests all day long and get all kinds of stuff. My experience, those are nothing like the actual ASC. They, they test your knowledge, but it's like, it's it, man there. You can tell <laughs> they're free. So we have them go through that. We also, any questions that they have on that comes up on those free tests, we try to answer that. And then about two weeks before the test, we have them take the actual practice tests. And those are about 25 questions. Unfortunately, ASC doesn't offer them for all of them, but they do offer from A1 all the way to A8. And then also L1 has practice tests. So they have, they cover the the most of them pretty well. And like I said, that's 25 questions. A lot of those are retired questions from ASC and they give you the best scope of knowledge of how you're going to do on that test, at least in my experience. If I know I'm getting 80% on those, I feel way better walking in that door. And you'll see it with the guys. They, it builds their confidence because they, they feel like they've studied and they've gathered it. And the best part is it explains all the answers that you get wrong and in detail, and you can kind of build that knowledge and get ready for that test. How much of it is trying to get yourself in the mindset that 
you need to think through a problem rather than trying to memorize the test prep materials. It, it's a lot of understanding concepts when it comes down to it. I that and that's why another thing I don't like about the free practice test is that you can learn the questions. I mean, like you'll it, there's just questions that they keep asking and you'll just get them down. And before you know it, you're not learning anything. You're just memorizing the question. When it comes to ASE, you have to actually think through the question. They like to use the word accept sometimes. They like to use tech A, tech B, which is just the classic ASE test format. You really got to read the question. That's the best advice I can give to you, which is hard because I think technicians are skimmers. Just just how it goes. You got to go quick, read through. And so my, my biggest thing is take the time, read the question. The question will usually eliminate 50% of the answers if you read it in depth because they'll say it only happens at this concern it caused a check engine light little details like that are huge helpers to answering the question and I, I it will eliminate usually 50% of the answers below it's interesting because that was what you just described there was my experience way back in the day was I was definitely trying to memorize the questions <laughs> rather than trying to thoroughly understand the question right and yeah and I think it was probably, it was early on when I was in tech school that I took the test, which was probably too early to take them in general. But yeah. I, looking back, you want to be able to understand the systems. What they're trying to do is get an understanding, or an understanding if you understand the way yeah. that a system <laughs> functions and works, right? So that's why they're asking the questions in a little different ways. And I think it that's the part where you know when when people say well ASE tests don't mean anything i think that's where it really does because it it does tell you that somebody can comprehend a system and they can comprehend a question and they have the critical thinking ability enough to be able to really dissect that question and get to yeah. the core of it I, I i think if you have a true understanding of systems it's not as hard to dissect those questions as it is if you mm-hmm. don't and that goes a lot into what you said, like when you were first in tech school, taking them out. And I did the same thing when I was in the tech school. I took the ASCs right after. I I think some people can do that if you have some knowledge actually hands on. But me, I had no experience coming into industry. I just like I said, I kind of fell into it. And so taking those tests was extremely hard for me right after tech school. I had all the knowledge. I understood all the theoreticals. The problem is that ASC does have hands-on experience. A lot, Some of their questions is just based on what the industry sees. So like a common problem with an EGR may come up in a question. And if you haven't seen it, it's going to be really hard to answer that question because it is it is literally based off of repeat failures in the industry. And that can be any brand of car. It's not Toyotas. It's not Subarus. It's anything. So you do have to have some experience. And that's what I was going to bring up is that I think most of these tests are meant to be taken by people that have been in the industry five plus years. And I think the guys that are usually saying that, oh, those tests don't matter, have been in the industry such a long time. And even if they have taken them, they think they're really easy because... ASE can be based off of just your experience. I've seen a guy that has 30 years experience. He doesn't study for the tests at all. And he just goes in there and passes it because he's been doing it that long. Right. So that's what I think there's some of that communication. So a younger guy goes in there thinking it's going to be easy, right? Because that's what the 30 year technicians that, oh, I don't even study for those goes in there, bombs it and like, well, I must not be a good technician. It's it's way different. You have to have experience. And if you don't have experience, then you better be studying for two two plus months, you know, minimum to get that experience under your belt and understand that some things are just common in the industry. And that's the question that it's leading you to. 
it's funny that you say that because I remember thinking and going into it, and I think I've heard this from from other technicians as well, was taking the ones that are most common for granted. So like when I say that, like going into the, like going to do an ASE certification on brakes, like that's just brakes. I'll I'll (laughs) go in and do it. And like, (laughs) yeah, easier suspension or whatever. And you know, you go into it and then you're like, Oh my goodness. These (laughs) these are actually really hard questions. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I have on my personal side of experience. So I, I, I pulled my own ASCs. I, I currently have 14 ASCs to my name, you know, all the A1s, A8s. And recently, just this year, like I said, procrastinator, in the last two months, I got L, L2, L3, and L4 tests because those, those things are impossible, hard for me at least. I was going to say that my average for passing ASC tests is 65%, which is really low, right? Now, the reason that's so low is when I was first out of tech school, I wanted to go take the tests. And like I said, I had no experience at all. So even a simple test like A4 and A5, which is brakes and steering, if you don't know, I bombed them. <laughs> like it wasn't even close. I'm and, glad I'm not alone. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I, you know, it makes you feel bad because you're like, man, I, I haven't learned anything. I went back to the dealership because I my internship was six months on, six months off school and then and then working. And then I came back and took that test a year later and I passed it easily. It's just having that kind of mixture of things. And like I said, if you don't have that mixture of things, study. I didn't study that much my first time because, well, I didn't know what I was walking into. But I've learned my lesson now. So that's what I tell all the young guys coming in the industry. If they have a lot of experience on cars and they've been doing it for a while, they can probably get away with not too much studying. But if you don't, you need to study two months, use the materials, pay for the practice tests if you have to. Our dealership, they pay for them here for our guys, you know, it's a kind of an incentive where, hey, we'll help you along. We'll study together. We'll make sure you pass. But that that prep is what's going to allow you to succeed. And it doesn't mean you're a bad technician if you, you fail them. The L3 that I recently gathered, I failed three times. And that was over the course of four years because L3 is a hybrid test. So Toyota, they always said when I went up to training, oh, you don't need the L3 because we manufactured hybrid. We are the leader in hybrid. I still wanted to take the test just because I I wanted to get the certification for it. And it was such a hard test for me to understand because there's a Chevy Volt on there. There's different types of hybrids that Toyota didn't make. And it made it really hard for me to comprehend. So I had to study, 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 and there wasn't very many study materials out there. So it really just took me getting three more years of experience in the industry to really pass that test. And when I did, I passed it four over the required. So that went good. And that, uh, yeah, I've heard that is a, that is definitely a tough test and will will kind of, it, it makes you understand different types of systems. If you're enjoying Beyond the Wrench, remember to follow and rate our podcast to help support the show. Right now, we'd like to give a shout out to this week's sponsor, Sonic Tools. Sonic Tools' direct distribution model offers affordable prices without sacrificing quality and service. Their goal is to increase the efficiency of every technician with equipment solutions and Sonic phone system that organizes quality tools in ways that award every technician with the opportunity to excel. Visit sonictoolsusa.com to learn more. I want to talk about the pressure going into those <laughs> tests because when you think about it, you're taking that test 
And from my experience, most everybody in the shop knows that you're taking that test. And so if you've got to come back and especially (laughs) as a young technician and say, Uh, Hey, Hey, how'd you do on that ASE? And it's not like we're in the most touchy feely industry in the world. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to catch some crap for it. Right. So that part was always in the back of my mind. We talk about test anxiety. And I remember thinking like, I'm not as worried about the test as I am like going back and telling people <laughs> that I bombed it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we have right now we have a guy in our shop and he's been struggling with a four, a five because, and he's in a unique story because he came from an engineering background. Like he's super smart on paper, book smart. And the first time he took the test, um, we didn't, it had been a while since I take those tests. So I kind of gave him my study materials for it. I didn't realize how much electrical integrated into A4, A5 nowadays. So one of the tips that I also had to bring up was if you are going to go take an ASC any day, any kind today, study electrical, because it seems like it's migrated into every test. And I haven't taken that test in five years. It's coming up for my research soon. I just didn't know that they had changed that test to be more electrical focused. So he walked into that test completely unprepared. I felt bad because I, you know, I kind of didn't steer him the right way, but now we know. So the second time he went and took, he, he didn't really study. And that was just because he was a book smart guy. He was always able to naturally just pass tests like that. And he ended up missing it by one, which is just the worst thing in the world. (laughs) Let me tell you. And I just asked him after, and I said, you know, why do you think you, you missed it? And I was like, how much did you study? And he knew. He knew right away that he didn't study. And I was like, listen, I know these tests, you're naturally smart. You're used to not having to study. You just, you know, learn the material, memorize it like those people usually do. And then you go in and take the test and you pass. But this is experience-based. And like I said, you got to study or you're not going to be able to get it. But he's he eventually got it third try after putting in some study time and good putting in the work. So good for him. And, you know, it's, like, I, like you said, it's hard to come back sometimes and be like, oh, man, I failed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah test anxiety is a real thing and not just for asc tests it was yeah. something i battled with when i was going through school and i think a lot of times it was probably due to lack of preparation and and not being ready for it i think yeah. what you're saying here is so right in that if you don't put the prep time in you're you're probably and especially as a young technician you're probably not going to pass and and i think even if you don't, what I would give or what I would say to those technicians out there that don't pass it is don't get discouraged by that. Like learn from the experience, learn from, you know, what, you know, what the test surroundings were. You know, I had yep. mentioned to you in, before the podcast that I remember one of the things that was so intimidating to me was being a, a young, well, I wasn't even a tech. I was just in tech school coming in and, and being like, I don't, I don't belong in this room with these people. Like <laughs> these people are significantly better than me. And just the intimidation of walking into the test facility, the anxiety behind, you know, in some cases the pressure, because there's maybe pay at stake for you getting those ASCs. It's it's a lot of pressure. What advice do you give to technicians out there as they go in and, and take these ASC tests on ways to calm themselves down and, and really be able to really? Well, like I said, the biggest thing is knowing that you're, you studied and everything like that, that's going to definitely help you. Taking that practice test right before, two weeks before, and giving you a kind of standpoint on where you sit, I've seen that calm people down a lot too because if they like i said you get an 80 percent on that i always tell them if you get if you pass this 
you're you're going to pass that. It's it correlates 100%. A couple other things advice-wise is kind of group certain tests together cuz some ASCs can be kind of tied together and that can help that you're not working on engine and then also manual trans cuz those don't really relate. If you kind of pair certain tests together, I always do A4 A5 which is suspension and alignment with brakes cuz they're kind of in the similar area. Some tests or some test questions overlap. It kind of keeps your studying to a singular focus rather than, oh, I'm trying to learn AC and then also engine repair at the same time. You're, you're kind of scatterbrained all over the place and that can lead to a lot of confusion. So your test prep, what you're signing up for, what you're going in to do at the same time can always help. All, they tell you to get a good night's sleep, you know, the classic eat a banana before all that, you know, that stuff. But at the end of the day, you're just going to have to kind of go in there and do it and you'll pass if you studied. That's how it is. I mean, you just got to put in the work. And like I said, a lot of people, they just, they either get told that they're really easy from the guys that know how to do all that, like, you know, back of their head, or they just don't understand the seriousness of it. Because I, I do think that in the industry, they're they're thought of to be easy tests most of the time. And I, I don't agree. <laughs> not not without either. studying. I try not to overwhelm. Like I said, I am a procrastinator. <laughs> so I, I do kind of cram in the last couple of weeks. I The only test that I really did really good job studying for was the L1. And for anyone unfamiliar, that's like having A8, which is engine performance, and A6 kind of like on steroids. And they also throw in emissions, usually emissions questions, which here where I live, we don't deal with at all. So I'm clueless on that stuff, except for when I go to prep for the ASE. So Understanding what's on the test is huge. One of the resources I recently found that helped me pass my L2, my L3 is AVI On Demand. And they actually did like courses, which is super nice because a lot of studying resources, they give you this book and you go through the questions and you they give you short little answers to explain it. AVI, it was awesome. Like they went over and did like instructor-led courses, explained the questions. And then, then there was, of course, that test at the end. So for my L3, that's what I... It's expensive. I paid $100 for it, bought it, and studied that, and it built my knowledge up so much to be ready for that test. I felt so much better about it going in the door. So that was a huge resource for me. ASC practice tests for the ones that you pay for are great. Also, motor age books are what I've used to kind of just like get a base start. You know, what do I need to focus on? They're a good starting point. And my my favorite book that I had since I was in tech school was a Halderman book. And it's like all the ASCs all wrapped up in one. And I, I love that thing. Those are I, I, one thing that I love about what you just talked about was you actually did a little bit of research on the study materials, right? We, we know oh, yeah. the folks down at AVI, they're a great company, a great training company. I think it's more common on, in the independent world that yeah. they utilize AVI, but you're not the first dealer tech now that I've heard from, from a variety of different brands that are using study materials or just training in general from a source like AVI because they, they have a load of good stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, it was, like I said, one of my struggles with those L tests, besides L1, because L1 has so many resources out there, you, you'll be fine. You can just look up online. L2, L3, L4, those tests, they do not have a lot of resources. L2 is a little bit more because the diesel side of things usually has a little bit more support. L3, L4, good luck finding anything on it. And the resources that you do have access, they just, they just don't cut it. I, I struggled with those tests so much just because I could not do my study prep like I could. And it really based off of just my experience and a lot of Toyota hybrid problems. They just, they just don't, 
break really. I mean, they have occasional failures, but I'm not tearing apart inverters and I'm not always replacing a battery. I think I've replaced maybe four in my total career. So those resources were invaluable to me. And they were, like I said, a hundred bucks is a lot, but I also failed that L3 three times. So that was 120 a piece. <laughs> so it paid off for itself. That hurts. Just, yeah, it hurts over time. It was over three years, but it's still, you know, it hurts deep down. <laughs> I, I think that adds to anxiety as well, right? Oh, is, yeah. Money on you the know, line. <laughs> money on the line. And one thing I've started to see some shops start to adapt to is where they're paying for, for the ASC test for a technician, whether they pass or fail them. And yep. I think that is such a such a cool way of going about it because it takes pressure off of that technician. Anything you can do to take pressure off that technician, I think is going to help them. <laughs> yeah. Now, the argument against that is if they're not paying for it, how serious are they going to be about it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. We, had, we do that in cases. It's not guaranteed. Like it's not an initial agreement that that's going to happen. But our manager, he can tell when a guy's put in the effort, put in the time, and then fails it just because maybe lack of knowledge, just based on experience, he will usually step up and cover it, you know, but that's not agreed upon before because he wants them to put in the effort. And there, I totally agree with that argument. If you don't pay for it, usually, you know, it's, it's hard to get motivated to do it. If I got $120 on the line, I'm going to put in the time to make sure I pass it the first time. The other thing is our, our manager here, he also kicks us bonuses for passing them, you know, and then also the great thing is Subaru actually pays us $150 per past ASE. So there's even more money on top. And then Toyota adds in and they do a raffle drawing. So if you pass a certain number of ASEs in the month, your chances of winning prizes and stuff like that. So the manufacturer supports always huge. The dealership being built into that model always helps. And it just motivates guys to improve themselves. And one of the things I was going to say ASC does for a technician is it kind of builds that confidence. If I task this ASC standard, I feel a little bit better about myself. I feel a little bit more like I fit in and I feel like I'm a better technician. And I think that's what, what those passing those tests can do is it can really boost a technician. And it's crazy how often you see a technician will be so worried about taking these tests, then they pass them and then they want to go take all of them. Like it, it, it just, it's that confidence boost. I can do it. It, and then they they go and it just builds that improvement mindset and a little bit of what we talked about in the last podcast is setting goals for yourself and then you know hitting them and achieving them and for me the l3 was my just oh man that thing annoyed me three years it took me three years to pass that and it has never taken me three years to do anything in my career so i am so glad that i did stick with it and pushed it and paid the absurd amount of money that I did to pass it, but I'm just glad that I achieved it because it really does make me feel good. And I feel like I have a way better understanding now. And the best thing is it showed my growth. I mean, I failed those tests, but I can now see that me as a technician, I, I have passed that test and I realized that I have now increased my knowledge on hybrids. So it makes me feel good. And you talked about that growth mindset in the last podcast. I think that is so vital to, you know, setting that goal and accomplishing it. And like you said, for, for confidence, again, I, I hate to defer back to younger techs, but it does feel like a lot of times that's where we lose techs is when they lose that confidence. And yeah. if that's a way to kind of build their confidence and self-esteem so that they feel confident when they're going out and working on a car. And on top of that, if you're studying you are probably learning a little bit about yeah, how to work on cars, right? <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, that study material does actually apply to the job. You'd be surprised how often a car comes in and I know what's wrong with it because of an ASE question. Uh, you know, 
because like I said, they're from experience, but there's just some things that cars do and it's in the ASE question and it, you'll, you'll look at the matching, the concern. The best one I can think of on the top of my head is a torn intake snorkel. I remember this question because my teacher drilled it into us. Basically when the car is in drive, it has a leak because the motor mounts then shift and then that snorkel opens up. But then when it's in park, it goes away and it idles fine or, or vice versa, one or the other. But what I'm saying is like that question, I actually saw that on a car and I knew immediately what was wrong with it. So it was pretty funny to see that and just be like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah, it, 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 you know, it's not often, but it does it does apply. And like I said, a lot of those questions are sourced from the industry. ASC actually works with people in the industry. They're very proud of that. Our, my FTS or former FTS for Toyota, he was actually part of helping the ASC program with L1 certification and working on their mobile app with them. So they, they pull from the industry to do things and you will see industry involvement in it for sure. I, some of my buddies are some of the folks that write those tests and they're some of the sharpest in the business. They're really, really smart people. And I think yeah. that's, that's again, going back to the quality of the ASC tests and, and maybe the, perceive, the, the perception of them versus reality is, is probably a little different. Technicians, are you looking for a new job? Even if you're just casually looking, you need to check out reverse job posts. Reverse job posts flips the traditional job board around. You can now fill out a short questionnaire and let shops reach out to you with job opportunities. No resume needed. The best part is all of your contact info remains anonymous until you're ready to share it. It's a great way to explore new job opportunities and it's completely free to use. To create a reverse job post, simply download the free Wrenchway mobile app or visit wrenchway.com and click on the reverse job post link. We've also included some links in the show notes. I want to go back to the preparation side with you yep. and walk me through a little bit of what you're doing. You had mentioned that you are, you're in charge of prepping some of your team to be able to be ready for the ASC test. How do you know when you want to start prepping somebody? Are you grouping them together and kind of doing, doing group study? Talk to me a little bit about that process. So it, it's kind of unique for each person is what I found. Like I said, we had about four guys all kind of at the end of the year wanting to do it at the same time. So that ended up working nicely because then I can kind of all study together and pass materials around at the same time. Um, First off is figuring out if it's their first time taking it, what are they most comfortable with? So usually people start off A5, A4, because those, those are the easiest tests, right? <laughs> As we talked about. Sometimes that's true, sometimes it's not. But that's usually where people start unless they're comfortable in different areas for whatever reason. Maybe they worked at an engine shop and they're, they know engine repair off the top of their head. So figure out you know who you're working with, what they're comfortable with, and then select the tests that you're going to do. And as far as like when they're ready, it's kind of hard to say. Usually I just go off of what people feel. I mean, if the person's willing to go take the test, I usually think they're ready because to even have that confidence built up, usually, you know, I'll work with anything as long as you're willing to go take the test. It, it doesn't matter. It just the amount of time that we're going to study for it is really what varies. And then, like I said, I usually recommend about two months of studying if if you don't have a lot of experience. Now, a guy with 10 years, you know, maybe a week before touching on some materials that you know are going to pop up on that test is a good idea. But beyond that, they probably don't need too much work. The guys that need the most work are the ones that are under that five-year experience. It's their first time or they're not too confident in the area. And basically, I try to sit down with them. We go through a test book, so like Motor Age or the Halderman book that 
we do. We just run some questions and I'll sit with them usually. And if they have a question that comes up during the question, I try to kind of guide them, answer what they're, what ASC is looking for from that question. Because that's the tricky part is understanding that question fully. And sometimes they're, they're not very easy to, to read because <laughs> you do have to have that experience to kind of fill in the blanks of what they're asking. So we do that and then we kind of gauge where they're at. If it's a really low score, then we'll say, okay, well, we're going to do this for a couple more weeks and build that confidence up until we're finally ready to go take that practice ASC and see where you're actually going to land. What's in it for you? You as a flat rate technician, <laughs> yeah. that you don't hear of a lot of flat rate technicians that are chomping at the bit to go help others pass ASC certifications. What is it that that drives you to want to help out these these other people? And and really, how do you, how do you how do you get value out of it as a flat rate technician? Well, I mean, it's not monetary. <laughs> Let's just say that right off the gate. I don't know. It, it, for me, when I took these tests, I, no one in my shop at that time, besides my manager, really cared about the tests. Even my mentor, he was kind of, he always struggled with them and he only did them to get the certification through Toyota. He didn't really care about the tests. So for me, I've always, I always liked them. I, I like the patches. I like the cool little things and I like the status. Like that's, that's important to me. I like being the best to my ability and my manager even instilled more of that quality into me. So for me, I was studying by myself. I, I would go sit in the lunchroom with all the other technicians and they, you know, to be honest, they'd kind of poke fun at me. They'd be like, oh, you're studying on your lunch break for your test, you know, and I did that for a couple of years and I picked up all my ASCs. I got my L1 three years into the industry. Like I said, I studied the crap out of the thing, like three months of studying before I took it. And I felt great. I was so proud of myself. I loved the feeling. I felt more confident as a technician. And then I endeavored on to the, L, the rest of the L test recently. But what I get out of it is that I know that being in that situation, being alone and trying to study and pass those tests can be really hard. And I like making sure that the people around me don't have that same experience. I really want to support them and see the growth. Cause I know it's funny cause I can look at a lot of these guys and some of them have more experience than me and they're just taking their ASCs now. And they are so much higher level than where I was when I took my ASCs and they're still just so nervous about it. Like they can pass it hundred percent. And the scores that they get on the test once they're done are way higher than I ever got when I took mine the first round. And they're just so, they're not confident in themselves about it. And then when they pass it, it's the best feeling ever for them. They're like, oh yeah, I killed it. Like one, recently, one of the guys, he's got about eight years experience. He was taking his A8. And the deal I made with him, because he was really unsure about it. He only wanted to take one ASE, which I would never. I like to do them in pairs. Do two for one. It's better investment for your time. So he wanted to take the A1. And I told him, uh, take the A8. And the only reason he ended up taking it is because I said I would pay for the ASE if he ended up failing it. I was so confident that he would pass it, that I put my own money on the line. None of the dealership involved, just just me, me and him betting, and he passed it. And he got 42 out of 50, which is, that is one of the hardest tests to take. Pretty damn and good. It, I was super impressed. I was like, see, no problem. And then I asked him when he's doing his last two. So, you know, <laughs> I, I just... It's, it's nice to see the industry move up. I like seeing these guys jump up in their status. Status, I think, in the industry is a touchy subject, especially for older technicians. They don't really respect it. But for me, I think it's super important in the way that the industry is going. Being that certified, highly certified technician, it's huge. It builds the technician, you know, 
persona themselves to be something better than what we were. We're not mechanics anymore. We're certified ASC technician, master technician. That's what I want to see for the industry, not to mention the compensation that goes hand in hand with that. The more certified you are, the more compensation that there should be. And I just see that going together in the industry. What's funny is we fight against this as an industry, as technicians, yet we complain that we don't get the credibility. We don't get the respect. We don't get yeah. a lot of the pay, you know, and here's this thing on a platter that can help us hundred percent get that. Right. Yeah. And so I, I do think it's a lot of a culture thing in, in a lot of shops, right? Like in, and you had maybe the mental strength to be able to fight through the, the hard time, like getting a hard time <laughs> at the lunch table, yeah. you know, that yeah. kind of thing. But there's a lot of people that won't and they'll try to hide it or they'll try to hide, you know, they're almost embarrassed that they're going to take them. And I'm like, no, that's, that's yeah. not what we want. We, we need these things. Yeah. Anytime, anytime I had an older technician say, why are you going to go take that test? It's just, I, I always just say, that's what I want to do. I want to be, I want to get it. That's what I want to do. And a lot of those guys now, you know, they, there is some respect earned from it. It's not a hundred percent, you know, they still say, Oh, it doesn't matter. But, at the end of the day, I, 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 on paper, there's some argument to say I am more certified and that it, when it comes to pay, that can be a leveraging point sometimes. Like I said, production, certification, and tenure, those are the things that I think a manager looks at most for when they're going to pay a technician. If you have all the ASCs in the world and this other guy has none, even if he has been there 10 years, what is that going to show on paper? You're willing to go out of your way, pay money, and get, take a test that he is uncomfortable doing. That shows that you're driven and you're driven towards quality and that you're trying to be the best person that you can be. And I think that says a lot. And just an initiative in general, the initiative to go out and do something that's not easy and, and put yourself out of your comfort zone. Yep. And, and I don't know, like I, to me, it in a lot of ways is a no brainer as a, as a tech, you know, and we talk about the expense of it, but in the grand scheme of things, that's not, too crazy of an expense. And for you shops that are out there listening, like if, if you're hesitant to encourage your people, or maybe you are trying to encourage them, but they're not going, look at taking a different approach, try to find, figure out ways that you can maybe pay for the, the test for them. And I think that shows the importance to the shop and, and the importance to the others in the, in the shop as well. So what have you learned as you've been almost more of a coach for these people, for these technicians that are trying to get in and take the test. There's had to have been some things that maybe you didn't quite expect when you started doing that. Like I said, just understanding how different people learn was a big part of it. Like for me, I could sit down with the book, study, and you know, that I would just cram. That that was me. But I had this one guy and he's got ADHD. Oh man, getting him to sit down and study is a hard thing. So what worked for him was me and him actually doing it together. And I've actually read the questions for people sometimes. Sit there, I'll read the book, I'll go through answers. Sometimes people from the audio side, it helps them pay attention more, make it a little more entertaining. You know, you throw in jokes in there and make make fun of stuff as you can to kind of keep it entertaining for people. But just catering to who you're teaching is big. Understanding what they're worried about, financial stress, you know, failure, learning what they're worried about, and then building the confidence or paying for it or throwing a bet on the line. Like 
fill the problem that they're having and and usually they'll go and take it that's the the best advice i can do and like i said just understanding who you're working with so if it is it's a 10-year guy is it a five-year guy is it a guy just getting in the industry that maybe wants to try something prep them differently because it's not one size fits all with teaching of course can you tell when somebody's eyes start to glaze over because there's a <laughs> lot of information in those study guides right yeah. it, it is not just it's not the most entertaining reading of all time, no. right? No, and that's why I really liked the sometimes YouTube videos was another thing that I found worked. If a, a technician has a question about something, me trying to explain how ignition system work, number one is pretty boring, but also it, it's kind of hard. Sometimes you need some visuals. I've even drawn on a whiteboard before, but sometimes I'll just tell them, hey, go look up on YouTube how this system works. There's so many resources out there. Now, as far as like YouTube for ASC prep, that's kind of hard to land. Like there's not, as far as I know, there's not a YouTube channel out there that says, oh, this is how we do these tests. There may be, but not the one that I've run across. It's kind of that you have to know bits and pieces. So like, how does an EGR system work? When I was taking my L2 diesel test, I had to look up how a, a, a regenerative catalyst system worked because I don't deal with that on cars at all. So I watched three or four YouTube videos. It helps so much more to see it. Um, animations on pictures, just like with any learning. So that can be a big resource for people that you know need to see what's happening and really get a better understanding. And then you give you give them that little piece, and suddenly that question makes a lot more sense to them. So, yeah, you know. I'm de- I'm definitely in that boat of being more of a visual learner, and yeah. I'll never forget. I I really struggled with electricity for a long time, right? And you know you. You read about Ohm's law. You read about <laughs> how to properly use a DVOM and yep. go through some basic lab stuff. But I think the importance in hunting for the right type of learning for those technicians that are out there listening, the right type of learning for you is so important because what I, I use that story because it one day just clicked with me because I was listening to a teacher talk about it. And the way that he explained it for whatever yeah. reason it hit home with me. And it was like, oh, yep. so those, all those things that I was <laughs> reading about Ohm's law and like yep. everything, Light voltage <laughs> drop. Yeah, yeah. It was like just everything kind of came together. And mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of people experience is that if, if, if they can be honest with themselves, whether they know the information or not, like something yep. as simple as a voltage drop like being able to truly in your mind say, yeah, you know, I, I understand it. Or if you're saying, yep. yeah, I, I, I understand it, but you don't actually understand it. <laughs> yep. I, I think there's so much importance in being honest with yourself. Another thing that I, I forgot to mention with too, is that one of the things I also try to do is I, have you ever watched the hospital shows where they have the team of doctors walk around to look at a patient? So yeah. if I have a car, that's actually like something interesting, not the normal, like, Oh, light bulb burnt out stuff like that. Say I have like one that's actually an electrical problem, which is pretty rare on our vehicles. I try to gather as many people around as possible so we can kind of go through what we're going to do as diagnostic side. Cause those chances to actually teach and kind of mesh ASC and real life together are super rare. So I try to, when I have something cool like that or something that's going to relate to a test that maybe somebody's taking, I try to pull them over and then actually show them real life what's happening and how I approach the situation. That doesn't always line up because like I said, sometimes things just don't work out like that. But if there is a case, I just go grab everybody that I can that's going to be doing that and or needs to see that information and kind of explain it to them. That's pretty good advice for any shop out there. You know, if, if you're going through and I, I know so many shops that are looking for diagnostic technicians right now, right? Like they, yeah. they diagnosticians and 
yet they don't really stick any type of diagnostic training into their people. No, it's hard. <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's hard. But when you have somebody in the shop that is good at it and, and willing to share, I think that's a key yep. piece. A lot of good diagnostic technicians, diagnosticians. I try <laughs> it to sounds expensive. Right. Yeah, it sounds expensive. <laughs> when you have one that's willing to share, that is not all that common. And so if you can get that technician to to bring over, you know, at least your young techs and talk through, you know, what their mm. diagnostic process was, how their thinking pattern was. Not only do I think that helps the ASC test, I think that helps them become a better technician as a whole. Yeah, normally with the younger guys, if they do have a diagnostic that comes in the door, I usually, it, I, I, I've kind of told them to kind of grab me, you know, check the vi- basics, right? Check the battery, start with that. And then if you feel like you're going to get to the point where you're going to start tearing apart the car and testing stuff and everything like that, come get me and let's do it together. Cause I'd rather see, cause sometimes, you know, electrical can be like, you look over there five minutes, everything's fine. Next thing you know, the dash is out and they're testing something like, how did you end up here? <laughs> it's like, Oh, the trouble tree said, you know, so I, I, I hopefully everyone in their shop understands that we are an open, I'm, you know, I'm an open resource. We also have other master technicians that do the same thing. Like that's what our shop does best is training. I think by far, we've always had a group of guys that are willing to drop everything, even though we're all flat rate and go over and help. And that's how I learned was from people doing that to me. And it's helped me create the, you know, learn how to shortcut and get better at it. And it's, it's a definitely important thing to culture and to make sure that you're not saying, Oh, well, you're on your own. That should never be how it is. Cause that's going to cost the customer a lot of money, you a lot of reputation and the whole shop a lot of time. That's culture, my friend. You yeah. guys have a, a culture that embraces training. And I think there are a lot of shops that could learn from that. You know, technicians, the good ones anyways, I feel like crave training. They want more training. They want to get yeah. better. And if you if you create an environment that's conducive to that, the quality of your technicians is going to go up. 100%. Yeah. And we're, we're very fortunate to have a lot of young guys that actually want to do this and be involved and want to learn. And they're 100%. They want to know. They don't just want me to come over and fix their problems. They want to do it and they want to learn how and get better understand at it. it. Yep. Yeah. Understand totally. the way a system works. Yeah. Yep. And, and sometimes you do have to let that person do it. Like sometimes you just need to helicopter around them, you know, when they get stuck, kind of steer them the right way. Maybe like a Roomba, they hit a wall. You pick them up, reset them down the path, and they're good to go. <laughs> that's the story of my life, I'm pretty sure. I, like, that's the best description of me is just a Roomba. I just keep running into walls. And Do you – have you used the app much, the ASC app? So for me personally, it's not something I address. I like having that five years in between, and I really feel like it tests my knowledge that way. I, I think the mobile app's a great idea because maybe for some people it's super inconvenient. What if your testing center is like six hours away? I want to go. I wouldn't want to go to it either. So I think it's great for helping bridge that that gap for certain people. For my guys, I would never recommend it in the shop. I feel like studying, taking that time, it really helps you grow as a technician. It's not about just passing the test for me. It's about gaining the knowledge and improving yourself as a technician. The mobile app does a really good job of allowing that convenience, but I think it takes away from that. It it takes away from the 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 time put in and actually what benefit you're getting out of it. And and unfortunately, what can happen on that mobile app is you can be helped by somebody around you. So maybe 
you know, maybe you actually didn't answer that question by yourself. And I get it. Technicians, they, they like to help each other. And that's a whole nother thing to talk about. But for me, I would always recommend to my guys, number one, go get paid because you get bonuses. You get the Subaru money. And then also it lasts for five years. You don't have to worry about it. And then also you're just improving yourself. You're going to notice your test scores go up over the years that you take these tests. And that's what I think is truly important. It's showing you that you're building. How do you keep your head up when you fail one? You don't for a little bit. You definitely go get sad. You know, I, there's an olive garden right next to the one and I definitely go there, <laughs> pass or fail. So, you know, so the, the key to failure is olive garden. Yes. Yes. And passing. And, pa- and passing. <laughs> no, but you know, it's, it's hard. Give yourself a couple of months. ASC doesn't let you take it for a couple of months. So give yourself some time understand what you needed to focus on. Obviously, you're probably not going to remember all the questions on the test, but you'll probably have a good idea. I didn't know what... You're either going to feel really comfortable about it and be like, what the heck happened there? Or you're going to feel like you didn't know any of it at all and you need to put in more time to study. And that could mean that either you don't have the experience or you didn't put in the study time. And that's going to be catered to each person. How important is it to have a mentor through the process? I, I think in hearing from you... One of the really cool parts about your team out there is that they you've got people that are learning at different levels. They're learning in different ways, but they've got somebody to talk to. I think being able to maybe share or talk through a technician's worries, that has to help a lot. Yeah, it does. And I, I, would, I would say this, if you're going to be a mentor, you better have those tests. Don't don't try to step into the shoes of the technician and say, I understand this and that go take the test. If you really, even if you're, you know, service manager or whatnot, if you're trying to get your shop to do it, you've got to lead the way you've got to have that experience because otherwise it's an empty, it's empty statements. Oh yeah. You know, I'm sorry you passed. You probably get it next time and stuff like that. I get it. You're, you're being, and maybe you support them all the way, but you need to have those tests. If you're going to mentor them, you need to understand what you're going into. You need to understand being in that situation, having that pressure on the line so that you can really guide them the best way possible and say, look, I've been there look here, I've failed tests before. This is how you go back and do it again. It's, you've got to be the, you got to lead by example, hundred percent. I just had this discussion with my five-year-old son earlier this week about the importance of failure. And I feel like that applies here in the same way where he was, we were actually, he's got this big Hot Wheels track and Mm. I had picked out a little car. It was a little 64 Corvette. And he had, he was trying all these different cars and he couldn't beat this one. And it was nothing that I was doing. It was literally just that there was a faster one, right? And he was getting so mad. And I'm like, buddy, this is, this is important. You have to learn how to fail. You have to learn how to, to like be able to come back from this because you're having Mm -hmm. an absolute meltdown right now over something (laughs) that you can't control. And Uh, I I feel like there's a lot of adults that way too, right? It it is really, really hard. Yeah. It it can be really difficult. Like the, the ones that hurt the most for me were the L ones, cause those are expensive. And I feel like I studied, but I just didn't have enough. At the end of the day, you just got to understand that, you know, you're just not ready. You're going to pass that test when you've put in the time or you have the experience, one or the other. And don't take it hard. It doesn't mean you're a bad technician. It just means you have some improvement to be made. That's the way you got to look at it. And I know it sucks. Trust me, I paid way too much money out the door failing tests, but that's just... It makes it better, can tell you that much. When you do pass it, it makes it feel a whole lot better. It makes it feel like a milestone has been achieved. 
again, it's the, that growth mindset. And for those of you that would ever look for a book recommendation, there's a book called The Growth Mindset. And it is really, really good in talking about how you use these as learning opportunities. So, hey, I didn't pass that ASE test, but what did I learn out of that? What, you know, I, I learned how the environment is. I learned the, the, you know, how the test it lays out and how they proctor the test. And, you know, you learn so much. So like when you go into that test and say you fail, maybe it's not a complete failure because you're pulling some pretty yep. awesome you're stuff getting knowledge that's going to make you better. Yeah, yep. it's going to make you better for the next test. I think the other thing I wanted to say for anyone that's going to be joining Toyota, Subaru, these two manufacturers, take the test as soon as possible. What they do for your training, we didn't really talk about this, but they jump you up in level. So basically without ASEs, you'll have to go to double the amount of classes that it takes. An ASE to Toyota and Subaru equals training. And that will help advance your career faster and get you paid more money and get you more certified right out of the gate. So it, Toyota and Subaru, they both really, really emphasize. They build ASEs into their level. And if you want to be a master diagnostic technician with Toyota, you have to have that L1. So it's super important. Anyone that's thinking about becoming a dealer technician with those two brands, you're going to run into ASEs. And don't let that intimidate you, right? Yeah, no. It, that's the whole point of it. At the end of the day, when we're doing ASCs out in our dealership, we're building our technicians to be better. We're trying to get them more money. You know, a lot of these guys, they're like, they come in, I, I want to make more money. Well, let's show you how to do that. And here's how we do that. Training, production, and certification. All these things are what's going to get you paid more. Because you can't just walk up and be like, I, I, I would like more money, you know? That's <laughs> so, so how it goes. As um, we all would, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but... So. I, I think that as we're kind of concluding the show, that's one thing that I think can be really hard for a technician is the patience it takes to go through all of that, right? Because it can take some time, both from studying and just from a strictly test schedule standpoint to be able to get these ASC certifications. And, you know, when, when you're 20 years old, Five years yeah. seems like an eternity, or you know, <laughs> like it. It, it, it feels yeah. like that's never going to come. Yeah, yeah. Every twenty-year-old ever I've talked to, that oh, that's forever. But as far as ASC goes, I, I think a realistic timeline to get all eight. If you know you have a little bit of experience or you're working in the dealer, is probably a year. I would take two at a time. And I would take in two month segments and space it out a little bit more, whatever you want to do, if it's too much for you. But if you take two ASCs at a time, you could probably have all eight at the at the end of the year. And actually, one of my guys that I'm working with right now, he's coming from the parts side. He was never a technician, but we're going to be getting all A1 through A8 this year. And so wow. we're going to start, we're, we're studying now. And, you know, he came from parts. He was always kind of like a backyard mechanic and such. So we're actually having him take A1 right out of the gate because that's what he's most interested in and i'm sure he'll pass them all because we'll study and we'll take the time and i'll give him all the resources that i can to make sure he does and then before you know it he'll be an asc master and making more money the fact that you guys are putting the time into it i i, I am curious what when do you have your people studying like is it at night are they studying on on their own or when when do you do kind of your group study it's it's whenever is easiest for them so you know it can be it could be after work or things like that or you know it could be that we're sitting down at the lunch table it's it's purely up to them now i can't obviously you know give all of my time i'd, I'd like to but i usually try to get a group or me and them studying at least once a week, especially when they're getting up to that test. Or I just say, hey, 
when you come in after a night of study and tell me what you had questions on, let's go over them together. And then we always take the ASE practice tests together. So we'll, he'll take the test, I'll step away. They'll get, go through, find out their percentage, and then we'll go through the questions and kind of touch on where the knowledge misunderstanding is and go from there. Well, this has been a lot of really good information that I wish I would have had 20 years ago. That would have really <laughs> helped me out a lot. But I appreciate you coming on and, and uh, talking about this. I think this is something that, you know, for those techs that are out there that desire to take the ASCs but might have some anxiety around it or have some apprehension to, to doing it for whatever reason, I, I think the, the, the advice you gave was really good, tangible advice. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to you got to work a little bit, right? You got to put in the time, you got to put in the effort. But I think all in all, it's a, an excellent conversation to have. I think it was excellent advice and appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no, it was a good time. And like I said, I love talking about this. I think it's good for the industry and this is where we're all going to end up going sooner or later. So hopefully everyone gets on board on the same page so we can start making progress. Short plug for Wrenchway, if you want to hear more from Josh, head out to Toyota of Corvallis's Wrenchway page. Josh puts out a lot of really good content on their page. I think you've done a really good job at, you know, we talked about that before of, of the content <laughs> piece, but being comfortable in front of a camera, I think you give a lot of good advice through that page and and really just kind of a good understanding of, of who Toyota of Corvallis is, which you could kind of hear throughout this podcast is a Pretty pretty darn good company to work for. <laughs> yep, it's a it's a pleasure. All right, good to see you, Josh. We'll uh, we'll have you on again. Sounds good. Thanks. That wraps up this week's episode of Beyond the Wrench. Be sure to tune in next week for another brand new episode. As a reminder, don't forget to rate and follow Beyond the Wrench on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps us get Beyond the Wrench in front of other fantastic shop owners, managers, technicians, and dealers just like you so we can continue to help improve, promote, and grow this amazing industry. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll be back next week.